Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Politics in the Pulpit, a lectionary-based resource designed to ask the provocative question of whether, and if so how, politics should appear in our preaching this week. My name is Lee Battle and I'm a minister in the United Reformed Church, where I serve in Cardiff in an ecumenical setting. Each week, I am joined by a guest from a different place and space on the pulpit and political landscape. And this week, I am so pleased to introduce to you Holly Adams. Holly is the Evangelism and Contemporary Culture Officer for the Methodist Church. This is a role which brings together her passion for equipping local churches for inclusive evangelism and her passion for helping Christians speak relevantly into contemporary spaces and issues. And Holly also serves on the leadership team of her local church in Canterbury where she lives. So thank you so much, Holly, for joining us today. All right, thank you for having me. That's okay. So politics in the pulpit, I wonder what that means for you. And could you tell us a little bit about yourself and whether or not you see yourself as a pulpit politician? Mm, thank you, Lee. Yeah, so I suppose um, yeah, you had the job of introducing me there with my horribly long job title. But my work really in the Methodist Church is all about equipping people for confidence and authentic evangelism. So I bring that perspective definitely to my understanding of what politics in the pulpit is all about. And um, I guess the contemporary culture bit of my job title talks about the way that uh, our churches and our faith connects with and speaks into kind of current issues. Mm. That's sort of how I understand uh, pulpit politics too, the way that we can authentically and relevantly and with gospel prophetic hope uh, speak yeah. into kind of current issues around power and authority and justice and relationships and uh, all those wonderful things. Um, I guess I do see myself as a pulpit politician. Uh, I preach in, in my local church, but it's quite an interesting context. It's quite divided politically, um, mm. our church. When I remember when the Brexit vote happened, uh, I think a few of us assumed that we'd all be on the same sort of page politically. And we realised quite quickly that we had everyone from the Brexiteer to the Remainer in our church congregation and our church family. So uh, it's quite an interesting context to be a pulpit politician in. Um, yeah. My church is in a really poor part of Kent, uh, and it's interesting to me that that doesn't guarantee that people will feel the same or believe the same around or have the same ideals around economics or welfare or, you know, even yeah. things like the refugee crisis, which just feels right on our doorstep sometimes in Kent. Uh, we've, got a, we've got a real mixture of, uh, of, of different kind of beliefs and ideals in our church, and I know that is a dilemma that will be familiar to a lot of pulpit politicians sort of yeah. working at how to, how to preach in a way that is authentic to who you are but which also allows room for God to work in your own heart and amongst others without anyone feeling kind of defensive or attacked yeah. or anything like that but yeah I guess for me there's a big lesson about how and it's not just about preaching but about evangelism too about how when we um share the things that are important to us uh uh, recognizing that there are people in the room who might be entrenched in kind of opposite viewpoints yeah. whether or not that's about something political or whether it's about something faith-based yeah um I, I guess I believe that it's not so much about putting across an argument 
uh, that sometimes might just root us more in our existing opinion and divide us even more from the others around us but yeah that actually the answer is always to meaningfully connect with others through relationships so whether that's kind of vulnerably sharing of ourselves in the pulpit or whether it's making space to listen properly to others for them yeah. to share making space for others to share vulnerably vulnerably in evangelism I think for me that's the connecting piece here is how do we meaningfully uh, make space for engaging with other people who are different to us yeah uh, whether whether it's preaching or evangelism or, or whatever it is um, mm. and how does that how does that allow God to do work in within us and within others uh, yeah. around us yeah. yeah, I think you pick up a really important point about how um, suddenly with Brexit, um, it, suddenly there was that divide, like mm. really openly in lots of our congregations. Whereas, uh, like you, I think many people had assumptions of which particular um like side people would be on and it it really has entrenched us mm. and I think you you pick up that really important point about sharing the vulnerability yeah and that in that is the pathway to connection absolutely and without that it it stays in political arguments mm. whereas I think if people understand your story where you're mm. coming from how you reflect the Bible through that, how you understand the Bible through that, mm. um, that that can build uh, a, a pathway to connection Absolutely. in and across some really difficult uh, spaces. Mm. Mm. I think it, that's challenging, isn't it? Sorry, because sometimes when you're in a pulpit or like preaching in a preaching capacity, it can feel very one way. So I think it's really important when you're preaching or when you're amongst others who might feel differently to you to make space for some of that real conversation to happen I guess that yeah yeah and it's a lot of pressure as well Mm. um Mm. it is a lot of pressure to stand up and preach something that's authentic to you in a space that's divided yeah that feels very very vulnerable um to start off with in the Mm. beginning Mm. um and how we then do that in such a way where you hope and pray it's not going to create more division yeah but you go in not actually knowing whether that's going to be the case yeah it's such a leap of faith at times it really is. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> so this week um our colleagues from JPIT have given us a little roundup of the things we might want to be aware of and keeping our eye on And so for this week, Parliament is back in full session this week. Um, And so they're out of the party season um, and back into uh, Parliament. And so that will be interesting, uh, given how tumultuous the last couple of weeks have been. We have the ongoing economic uncertainty. We have the ongoing war in Ukraine. There's been strikes in Kiev this morning. And church dates that might be relevant to us is it's Black History Month in October. It is Prisons Week on the 9th to the 15th of October. We have upcoming as well, the Week of Prayer for World Peace, the Challenge Poverty Week in England and Wales. And on the 18th of October, it's Anti-Slavery Day. 
So with all this in mind, our metaphorical newspapers in one hand, let's open our Bibles. And so I wonder, Holly, if there was a particular passage or theme or question that's jumped out this week that you would like us to start with? Well, I guess um, I spent a bit of time around this thinking about how um, this, this work to start with, this theme of how the things that go wrong in these texts, particularly the Jeremiah passage, but also the gospel passage for today, um, the things where the kind of bad news emerges from, uh, the corrupt or unjust or painful yeah. polit political landscape. So I think, I mean, they're fantastic passages to come up from a political point of view because the kind of suffering, the suffering, the struggle in both the Jeremiah passage and the gospel passage emerge from injustice and, and places where kind of uh, people and politics are allowed to be uh, corrupt or, or power is corrupt in some way. So in the context of the Jeremiah passage, of course, that's uh, that's a context of exile, of societal collapse, of generations and generations of struggle. Um, and the prophet is speaking into that context with hope and promise. Um, and in the parable from Luke's gospel today, it's a very clear picture of an unjust system where a woman who's crying out for justice is prevented again and again from receiving it by a corrupt leader yeah. um, who has no relationship with God and no respect for his people. Mm. So I think it's a fab set of text to think about from a political point of view because there's this sort of landscape of corruption and injustice yeah. upon which these kind of human struggles are taking place. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And I think in the Jeremiah uh, text, what really got my heart as I was preparing for this was how it's written from the perspective of the Lord. Mm. The days are surely coming, says the mm. Lord. This is the longing of the Lord yeah. for all this corruption to finish, um, for the sense of for them to come back and for them to know the Lord again it feels this really I dare say it, it's so relatable yeah um, that you you could hear yourself saying it and yet it's the Lord saying it and there's something really yeah about that and and like we've spoken about before you know bringing the vulnerability into it mm, I think some of the vulnerability of God in this yeah. passage some of the yearning mm. for the people yeah Lee I think what you've hit on there is something about intimacy it feels so intimate doesn't it the words it that the Lord speaks in that Jeremiah passage feels like it's about an intimate knowing of God and God knowing us intimately the way it says about the law is written on our heart it's like yeah. a new kind of knowing of God um that is really intimate and is really about relationship between God and us yeah. um, and that feels in a way so beautifully private but also that this kind of has these implications for the way that the whole political landscape will play yeah. out um yeah, yeah I, I think for me that really is the key theme throughout these readings is the importance of relationship yeah uh, to, to justice and and how actually what both Jesus in the parable and, and Jeremiah is saying in the, in, the, in that passage, I'm doing a better job of me explaining it earlier, um, that relationship is more important than argument, you know, the, yeah. when it comes to justice, when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to being human together, yeah. that, 
that what matters most is our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. Yeah. And I think there's a real sense, I don't know how you felt about it, but a real sense of weariness Mm. about how long this has gone on for, about how distant the relationship between the Lord and his people has, how distant that's become, how long it's gone on. And just this real weariness to to start to make back a relationship that is not based on what's gone before, Mm. but based upon the ending of that and how then we begin again after such Mm. division, such pain, such Mm. suffering. How then do we start from kind of ground zero if you like in building that relationship back with God with each other with justice because I think so much has has happened over the last six months Mm. well the last few years really yeah everything just feels so improbable there's Mm you're almost waiting to be surprised yeah there's no sense of um stability there's no sense of thinking well this will probably happen Mm. because we can't trust in the same way I don't Mm. think as we've been able to as people in 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 our country in our relationships because of the divisions and I think there's something so beautiful and like you say intimate in this that's let's this has been Mm. surely now we can begin again yeah I think you hit on a few things Ellie partly the connection between the three three of the passages uh, for for this lectionary week about uh, the theme of persistence and how you know in the Jeremiah passage like you say weariness has been they've been waiting for these promises to be fulfilled for so long and uh, also with the gospel reading of the parable, you know, this woman who's uh, been crying out for justice again and again and again. Yeah. And um, also in the in the letter, uh, Paul addressed to Timothy about kind of how when we share the good news, it requires persistence of us as well and patience. And yeah. this theme of like of waiting <clears throat> for God mm-hmm. to for God to uh, fulfill the promises that God's promised us. Mm. But I think. Um, that for me is so much about hope and about living in a way that expects that to happen. And you talked a bit there about how after the years that we've had now, it's very hard to live in that way. But I think that's kind of what we're called to do as Christians is to live, live in a way that, that models hope. Um, my, I always come back to this, my, one of my favourite Bible verses in the whole Bible is from Psalm 27. I, I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, you know, that famous verse. Yeah. And um, for me, that's about, that speaks deeply into what we've just been talking about, how God's goodness isn't just for some kind of far off eternity, but it's yeah. for here and now. And, and, it, and it requires us to live with hope, with hope in the Lord, um, despite all the systems of injustice that we're struggling against, we believe that God will do work in our hearts and amongst our systems of power too, uh, that we will, so we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Yeah, yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think also, as well as persistence, the one thing that 
leapt out to me was prayer. Mm, yeah. Was about really doubling down on our connection with God. Yeah. yeah. And I think because the world has changed so much with the oncoming uh, with the oncoming crisis of well we're in it aren't we with the mm-hmm. um, the cost of living that it's really easy to become very active in response to that yeah. I know lots and lots of churches um, and people who have you know worked really really hard to create warm welcome spaces yeah. of yeah. being of of being able to you know, feed people, give food, mm. uh, have community within the difficultness. That when you're that like forward focused, and um, and when there's so much in a sense to physically do, that we the prayer thing often mm. might come at the end of the day and at the beginning of the day. You know, Lord help help me with my day. I've got so much to do. Yeah. Um. I and think I think we're called here to go. Actually, no prayer. Prayer is key in mm, this, mm. Um, and and so often people go, oh, I can't. You know, certainly older people in the congregations that I work have worked with. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can give. And it's you can pray. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is the foundation of it. Absolutely. I definitely agree that this, these readings are a reminder about kind of the importance of prayer and persistence of prayer and how that is like the, the bedrock of our relationship with God. I also think like you say, there is so much need at the moment, you know, with the current climate, with, with the issues around offering warm spaces, there's so much practical need. And I think we can so easily fall into um, models where we are just providers where the church mm. provides warm spaces provides food banks mm. but actually that does lead up into difficult power dynamics with people around us you know we become uh, pe- we become pe- places that people rely on uh, we become places of power our buildings become places of power because uh, we've got stuff that other people need you know that kind of really problematic um, power dynamic yeah and I think some of the texts today remind us you know like uh, in the Jeremiah passage, I know Walter Brueggemann talks about how this new covenant, new covenant, is one of solidarity, mm. um, where that the separation between the people and God is finally overcome. Uh, people uh, and God identifies as their God, and pe- people identify as God's people, and this is the kind of new knowing that this covenant is based on. Uh, and of course, we're called not only into solidarity with God, which I think is a lovely image. What does solidarity yeah. with God mean for us? Yeah, yeah. But but also solidarity, of course, with one another. And so, how how does the way that we preach on these texts, but also how does the way that we respond to the political crisis going on around us, mm. uh, prioritize not only prayer but also relationship with others? in a way that that isn't about provision but is about solidarity you know how yeah. do we meet meet people's needs as well as prioritizing actually getting to know people forming meaningful connections with people because I think that is the essential context for justice and evangelism to take place like without without the context of relationship we find we're not really we're not really doing justice or evangelism we're just meeting a plugging a gap meeting a need yeah. um, which is an important need to meet but uh, but there's kind of a whole dimension beyond that, which God's saying, kind of calling us into relationship with people. Yeah, 
and I think people realise that with food banks that mm. absolutely utterly necessary. Mm. But when after you've set them up, you've done them. Ultimately, we're we're a stick in plaster. Mm, yeah. We're not managing to engage as as energetically this and this is only my experience as energetically with the systems that have created the need yeah thanks yeah. and I think we we are really at risk of doing this again with the warm spaces mm. but it's it's it feels like it's happened so quickly that there's almost a very obvious response to this need yeah but it, you're right in doing that because of the speed of it we're not mm. engaging fully with other people's autonomy and and the sense of what is it in this community that could be helpful how can you take ownership how can we collaborate and and I think yeah. that we're in that real situation again where we might end up falling into that because it's so the need is so big and mm. it it's it feels so hard to everybody there is that sense I think with food banks often there was a separation if you didn't need to use one that perhaps you couldn't quite understand it whereas yeah. we all understand we are all affected mm. by this it we will have various different experiences of it but the the cost of living rise it is gonna affect us all in mm. the various mm. degrees and we're all in a sense I think in need with it yeah I think that's you raised a really great point there about recognizing our own neediness you know none of us are set apart from uh, in different ways from need we all have different needs yeah not least our needs for God to be at work in our lives but also I think you made a point there about how do we empower others to kind of be have with, with it, to recognize our own agency so how do we come alongside people in solidarity rather yeah. than doing to people or providing for people mm. um, and I think that that really is a theme in the Jeremiah text from today as well because uh, God yeah. writing God's law on people's hearts is a really empowering thing you know rather yeah. than the law being contained in a super holy place on the Ark of the Covenant um the law is engraved on everybody's hearts each and every yeah. person and that's a really radical vision of kind of a world where political authority is the possession of everyone and it's an, yeah. kind of we, we get to we have that intimately connected to each of us um, so I think that's a really radical kind of vision of of God, what God's law yeah. is. It's not something that pr privileged people have access to, and you know that God only God can be accessed by privileged people with the right knowledge and uh, yeah. mediation. But actually, all of us, you know, have access to God and to God's law in in our hearts. I think that's yeah. so emp empowering as a model of what would that look like for the way that we do justice today. Yeah. We recognize that each and every person, you know, especially people with lived experience of poverty or vulnerability, have something so important to contribute to the yeah. uh, the way that we respond to these issues. Yeah, and, and to bring in Timothy to that, there is mm. also within that the sense of God placing the law on our heart, but also 
this weariness of wanting change that, mm. that 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 this is something new but then back in Timothy to Timothy as we've heard um several times over the last few weeks Paul speaking about his suffering mm. there is this um this list at the end of always being sober to endure suffering mm. to do mm. the work of an evangelist to carry your ministry out fully and that acknowledges so much of our lived experience as Christians as people but also acknowledges that we all feel these things differently and at various different times and that suffering is part of our life as much as hope is too Uh, and, and for me, I was thinking about it and, and how I pray during times of suffering. Do I really allow myself to come alongside God mm. and allow God alongside me mm. in these times? Or do I just go, I've got a very practical way of doing this. Uh, and, and I think I need to do this and I need to do this and, and that might end the suffering. And yet, time after time we taught that to sit in that suffering to mm. I read some uh somewhere this morning uh, to hang yourself on the cross to hang mm. yourself on a hanging mm. Jesus that afterwards comes peace that afterwards comes this hope yeah and that's a really I think beautiful thing to hold on to but it's got to come in prayer Mm. completely agree prayer and and relationship and I keep banging on about it but like in the times of struggle you know when we do come alongside others whether it's our own struggle other people's whether it's you know brokenness and division you know when it it feels uncomfortable (laughs) actually the, the thing you know that thing about the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living doesn't mean that none of that exists it means that we are we recognize God is at work in the midst of all of that chaos and that we recognize that God is at work in us as much Mm. as others, as much as our systems. And that, you know, that question at the end of the, of the gospel of the parable, um, when it says when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? Yeah. And, you know, throughout the gospel, Jesus has said to people, you, you have faith, you know, your faith has made you well, whatever again and again we've heard Jesus commend people for their faith in that gospel so we know that the beginnings of the answer to that question are yes like there is faith um but we have to be prepared to find it in the really unexpected places yeah and I think you know partly you know you said it you mentioned earlier it's prisons week this week how do we how do we choose to see faith how do we choose to recognize faith in the places that we might not even expect it you know amongst rather than amongst our church leaders, amongst the outsiders, the unlovely, the unclean, the vulnerable, the people who we don't easily notice. People in prisons are so invisible to us so much of the time. Um, How do we recognise the faith and the hope and the uh, kind of wisdom that these people bring? I think that's so important to our pursuit of justice and important to our evangelism as well. You know, as you said in the letter, letter, um, Timothy's second letter it's not about 
it's not about berating people or disrespecting people. That call to evangelism is about coming alongside people, listening to them. Um, Timothy talks about persistence and patience, not kind of yelling at people with a sandwich board, but persistence and patience is about relationship. You know, it's about yeah. really coming alongside people and sometimes the people that you might least expect and, and, and recognising that God is with them, God is at work in their lives. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge believer in that very often our kind of blueprint for our relationship with God is our relationship with other people because mm. we we often understand and relate to God after understanding what relationships are with people that's and I think there's some that dynamic through all of these texts that there's something very human about mm. them but also so much of the divine in it as well and and recognizing and I think too Timothy does this well that other people's faith is going to look drastically different to ours mm. we are not we can't dictate what faith looks like for people we can't dictate what faith is because in the Luke chapter before it you know when they were talking about the when will we see you I'm already among you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, yeah. and, and there's something really grounding about that, about how we, our expectations and our judgments, like going back about what we think we should be doing. Mm-hmm. And we're making judgment calls to create spaces for people. Mm-hmm. Um, but are we, are we doing, are we, are we doing that ahead of listening? Are we doing that ahead of prayer? It, it's a really, for me, it's a really inspirational set of passages to, mm. to double down on that sense of this is about our relationship with God, our yes. faith, our walks with God. Ultimately as well, create the connections around us and and allow us to be vulnerable in it as mm. God, you know, as Jesus was, mm. Jesus. And in the Jeremiah passage, we see we see vulnerability. We mm. see love in that vulnerability. Mm. And, and when that power dynamic is there with creating spaces, what's not there is vulnerability. Mm. And, yeah, and allowing people's vulnerability uh, to come in because mm. we've already assessed what we think mm. their vulnerabilities are and yes yeah just a quick story to share that um, we run a night shelter every year in my church as many churches do and that's of course one of those in a way problematic power dynamics you know people sleeping in the church because they've got nowhere else to sleep and yeah know, happy needs to needs to be offered it's a need but actually, you know, I found that I was um, really getting to know the, the guests at the night shelter, especially because I'm a street pastor as well. So I, I do work okay. with the homeless in the city anyway. So I found myself kind of building this relationship with some of these guys who slept in the night shelter. And one day, um, one of them said to me, can I, uh, can I light a candle in the church? I've had a really tough time. And I know he wouldn't have asked me that if, if I hadn't have kind of spent time getting to know him. Mm. And I and I felt kind of like, of course, like it's not my building to, you know, to 
like yeah. it's yours it's your church as much yeah, as yeah. mine but that's kind of a, a problematic thing isn't it about how church buildings are seen to be kind of owned by the Christians anyway so we went into the church and he lit this candle and um and he said would you pray for me and I prayed I didn't know you know I felt so kind of privileged that I was mm. uh, that he was there and he wanted me to be with him and and honestly we had such an incredible experience of the Holy Spirit in the space I could yeah. it felt so tangible and I think that really is an example to me of when justice work and when evangelism just are God's work amongst people you know when we put God first and relationship first then it feels like something changes um something shifts and so and I think both of the, you know the passages we've talked about today really are are calling us into that calling us into both yeah. our evangelism and our justice work how do how do we put relationship first relationship with God and relationship with one another and just see what God does with it because it will yeah. be it it will be beautiful yeah yeah and we we can experience some of that in our preaching as well yes like some weeks when you when you've written a sermon you absolutely can tangibly feel that the spirit has has been in this in you know in your fingers on the keyboard the spirit has done this yet other weeks it's not the same as that and what creates that difference is often my time Mm. and my openness to allowing all of that to come in um it will be reliant upon prayer how much Mm. how much of my daily devotions have I been doing Mm. makes a marked difference to how my week goes and and my approach to the week goes in am I going under my own steam here Mm. Um, am I catching myself and and that's a really human thing to do there's no absolutely no judgment in that because we all wake up late have to get the kids to school before you know it we're three hours into the day and we're just sitting down to speak our first words it's Mm. absolutely just part of life yeah but it's about also acknowledging that sometimes to really sit and make that space Mm. makes our preaching and makes our living and our relationships transformational Mm. Mm. yeah so yeah I think I think the really exciting texts I think they are they usher in a real change from the last few weeks they do usher in this sense of slowing down of prayer of understanding relationship with each other and with Mm. God Mm. yes same I think there's this you know huge vast landscape in all of them of like corruption and injustice yeah but actually the stories as you said already at their heart are about being human and being in relationship with God and what that means and what happens when we work with one another and work with God and how justice and evangelism happen in that context, I think it's, it's, it's such a beautiful calling into it is. trusting God. Yeah, 
It is, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Holly, for coming on and sharing your really beautiful wisdom and reflections with us. And thanks to the rest of you for joining us to ask whether or how we should preach politics in our pulpits this week. If you enjoyed this episode of Politics in the Pulpit, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share this episode with your friends. We really do want to have an ongoing conversation with our listeners, a relationship about talking about how we do faith and politics. So do join in on Twitter at pulpit underscore politics or using the hashtag politics in the pulpit. Or you can find us on our Facebook community, which you can access through the Joint Public Issues Team Facebook page and on their website, jointpublicissues.org.uk. And so the question I'm leaving you with this week, how is your prayer life? How is your relationship with God? Please do let us know your thoughts on that either on Twitter or on Facebook again. And so let's go into both our politics and our pulpits with this blessing. May you be anointed with God's spirit as you bring good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, help people to see the world truthfully and let the oppressed go free. Amen. <laughs>